Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Babs Vinden Cantrell has a very varied career history and has most recently become a children's author. She's made a lot of useful connections over the years that have helped her with her career, and she puts this down to networking. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest today, Babs. That's okay. Welcome. Now, I know that you wear several business hats as a business coach, an author, a recruiter for the British Army, but what's your career path been? What was what was the first thing that you did? Um, initially, um, I was actually a dancer. Wow. Um, I used to uh, be sort of like your backing dancer in pantomimes and summer seasons and things like that. And I did that. Um, I actually did it from being about eight years old. I was one of them cute dancers that you see times <laughs> and things. And it was great because I used to take about, you used to have to get licensed. So you used to have to mm. have about, about two months off school every year. So that was really cool. So and we were supposed to get tutored, but we never did. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I did that. And then um, I carried on to be an adult dancer. And, and it was a bit more sort of in, in them days, you're talking 40 years ago it it sort of wasn't seen as a career and everybody was no you need to go and get yourself a normal job now um and I kind of succumbed to that so ended up initially going working for uh corporates so for the electricity board I got sort of like a clerical traineeship and and went and worked there and and sort of worked there for sort of about five or six years um before sort of marrying a soldier actually and ending up going down south um, still corporate and still um, not working for the electricity board, but uh, going across to other um, companies for a few years before eventually just it got, you know, that, that need to actually be a bit more than that mm. and and do a bit more adventure and, and, and be more the person I wanted to be eventually. You know, I sort of realised that life was mine. It, it took mm-hmm. me a while really to realise that there were things out there that I needed to do I wasn't just going to go down that route of staying in that nine to five um so I was quite a few years before I actually I don't know whether it was got the confidence or actually got the knowledge that things were out there that you could do um and and then getting the confidence then to actually go and do it I think there's a bit of both really mm. um I think, I think years ago you d- you didn't really get the um the knowledge as to as to what was out there that you could actually achieve um and I think especially as girls sort of 40 years ago it was very much still there were people that I worked with the electricity board that left work when they got married let alone when they had a baby mm-hmm. it was still that sort of era yeah so to re to actually um realize that them opportunities were there it's quite sparse because nobody told you nobody talked about it and the people around you were doing the old-fashioned stuff still yeah. So what um, was your next move then after you left corporate? Uh, well, in, I went into the military then. Um, and that was a big move, actually, um, because it was actually when um, I actually got divorced that I mm. realised that I was still not doing what I wanted. And at that point, I'd got three children all under five, but decided, no, this is it. So I'm a bit, I'm one of these people that just jumps in and goes, right, now I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll cope with it. So it was a case of me me just going for it and and it worked fine it was absolutely brilliant and the kids 
loved being squaddy brats as they're <laughs> you know and and it's done them all the world of good um but it takes a lot of hard work because there's a lot of things there that you could quite easily and you can understand people can say that's a bit hard how are you going to have how are you going to do duties and how are you going to go and do courses or go on a tour mm. and things like that so you do have to sort of get your administration mm. together to be able to do it but if you're determined enough which I was yeah then then it works um but yeah yeah and, and it's a scary thing and I can understand why a lot of people don't want to do it because it's kind of one of them things where everybody meaning well and telling you it's going to be hard actually puts you off mm-hmm. where you've got to kind of go no I'm, I'm gonna do this and, and I'm gonna try and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it does at least I've done it so yeah. that, that was my I think that's always been my attitude actually I sort of just go now I'm gonna do this if I yeah. want to do something hard enough mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll find a way of doing it yeah and I know you've been with the army for getting on for 40 years now and, and you, you work in recruitment these days what what how has that been over the last couple of years because presumably normally you would be going to fairs and to schools and to so on but what happened over the pandemic how did you carry on with the recruiting yeah well, you're right I normally would do probably about 160 events a year mm. um all across the UK and when the pandemic happened it was a case of changing the way you worked on things so there's a lot of zoom calls mm. um and I'm not the most techie person um, <laughs> definitely so um so that was quite difficult and I think at the beginning because everybody was suddenly finding this new way of working um sometimes especially at the beginning some of the calls were absolutely awful on, mm. on everybody's side because people just didn't know what to do and you were more busy looking at somebody's background and whether the curtains were nice and what pictures <laughs> and or anything else um but then over time, probably it took about probably seven or eight months. And then some organisations came up with some really good packages that, that you, you know, were, were very good. You had little rooms to go in and you could have discussions with people because that's one of the things that face to face and going to an event gives you is that you have that discussion. You get a rapport with the person. Yeah. And you can actually talk to them. A, a lot of people are quite worried, unless somebody really wants to be in the forces and, and comes, you know, striding over to you because they know about it, they know what they want to do it. A lot of people don't understand what the forces entails and mm. what sort of jobs there are there. And, and quite often when you were on Zoom calls, people automatically didn't talk to you because they hadn't considered that they yeah. could possibly be having anything to do with you. And you lost a lot of that over that time because you weren't having that face-to-face. Whereas when you're actually there and you start talking to them about engineering and about mm-hmm. administration and medical and geologists and, and even, you know, seamstress and things like mm-hmm. that, people suddenly go, wow, you can do that. And, but you, you know, you've, you've had that opportunity because you stood in front of them. So it was quite difficult. Um, and until getting to a bit further towards the end, but also there was a lot of um, the sort of um, Twitter and Facebook side of it, um, anything that was going on, making sure that we, that we were letting people know mm. uh, what was happening and where we were. And as things started opening up, um, telling them um, different things that the unit was involved in, because the unit, um, the nature of the unit, they do a lot of work all over the world. Mm. Um, on projects 
which are ongoing because we, we get involved in a lot of humanitarian aid, uh, disaster relief, things like that. So those things still happen. Um, the unit itself was the unit that actually built a lot of the um, Nightingale hospitals. Mm. But it was very, very busy over that period. So what we then started doing was saying to people, yeah, we are still working because this is what we're doing. We're doing things that you actually know about. We're building these hospitals. Yeah. And, and I was actually three days a week, I was um, vaccinating people. Mm. Um, so, you know, the military was still very involved in everything. Uh, but per, but a lot of people didn't understand that. So, you know, we tried to really get on board that social side of it and doing some articles in magazines and things like that. Yeah. I, I read in your LinkedIn profile that, that you you sort of introduced social media to, to your unit. So wh- which which platforms are you now active on? Uh, well, we've got the, um, the Twitter and um, Facebook mainly, to be honest. And then we've got uh, the LinkedIn. We've got because the the unit have different specialities. We've got teams doing um, power, rail, ports, airfields, water, fuel. They're very different industries. So each um, one of the works groups, and we've also got the geologists. um, So each of the works groups have actually got their own um, Twitter now where they'll actually put out to the different industries that they're involved in. And and we also, um, because we're involved in a lot of the associations, um, and things like there's one of the associations that one of our unit members actually created, um, which is called Chain, and mm-hmm. it brings every single part of engineering together. And he's very much a forefront. He's an absolutely brilliant guy, but he's at the forefront of bringing new technologies into engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, we've kind of really hopped on anything that was sort of out there that. And engineers are really excited in engineering. <laughs> very passionate about engineering and the way forward. So anything like that, that um, our unit can say to people, this is what we're doing. This is what we're involved in. This is how we're getting people together. Yeah. Um, we would do that social aspect. Yeah. Now, communication is something that clearly you're, you're very passionate about. And I know you spent some time at Red Magazine. How, how did that come about? Um, well, because I was so busy, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest reader in the world. I used to be years ago, but I'm not now because I'm so, I'm so busy. So I sort of, probably about oh, 15 years ago, I said, right, I'm going to start reading something. So I decided I'd find a magazine that <clears throat> I enjoyed because I realised I could read an article mm. and then I'd have it finished. But I just never got time to read a book. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so I actually started reading Red. Um, and I enjoyed it. It was very much kind of in, on par with myself and, and how I feel about things. And the sort of articles were really good and, and interesting. Um, and then it's probably about nine years ago when uh, they advertised about um, interns. So it was going to be sort of like it was called a grown up internship, basically, mm. for a month. Um, and this one was for a features sort of writer. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to have a... I'm going to put in for it um so I wrote you had to sort of write I can't remember now it's probably about three or four hundred words and you had mm-hmm. to write a little article and send it off um and then maybe about two months later fortunately in my junk and I was like <laughs> like checking the junk always check your junk it's amazing what you might yeah. miss <laughs> um so I sort of looked at the junk and it was um a mail from red to say I'd that I'd been successful um which was like 
quite amazing. I was, I was kind of, and at that point, I was thinking, why did it? There was only me applied. <laughs> you can quite believe it, but um, yeah. So I was successful with that, and it was a month working at Red in their offices, which are just off Carnaby Street. Wow. Uh, and and it was incredible because the it's the knowledge. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been really good at writing. I've always enjoyed writing. Um, but working at the magazine and seeing how they get their stories, how they bring the articles together and, and the difference between what they're creating for the magazine and what they're creating for the online side, mm. how, how that differs, um, how they interact with the celebrities that they're dealing with or the stories um things like when you went in the office even for the um online side they had a couple of computers up in on the sort of side to say what the um what was going on with regards to their website and, mm -hmm. and where people were coming in from where people were you know looking at the website from and, and what how they'd got there whether it had been through another article or whether it was a direct entry so those sort of things were interesting to see exactly where where were you actually affecting in the world. Um, what was really interesting was um, I think there was one article that we did on Mary Berry and her cupcakes, mm. and the world went mad. And apparently, Mary Berry is the biggest draw <laughs> in the magazine, apart from maybe David Beckham. But it's like <laughs> they they put Mary Berry and her cupcakes on, and the, and the whole site goes mad so yeah and, and and again that was a an interesting thing with regards to just the effect a celebrity has on any sort of media and yeah. and understanding a bit more why they would want David Beckham on the front because he sells four times the amount of papers mm -hmm. than anybody else does and and you know that understanding of how it's how the whole industry sort of works yeah really because I think before then you were very much like oh why do they always have him or why would they pay, why would they pay somebody so much money to be on the front of a magazine and then you realize it's because that magazine's going to sell yeah five times the amount of copies that it normally does why would you put Mary Berry's cupcakes on as yeah. opposed to somebody else's well yeah for whatever reason we all love Mary Berry and therefore everybody's then more interested so there was there was a lot from that and a lot from also events because at that point I hadn't gone into the job I've got now mm -hmm. um, and Red do put quite a few events together that people can um, apply to go on and there were a few events that we did and one was actually an author's one um, actually at the British Museum and it was being involved in that setting it up um, talking to the authors making sure they're comfortable making sure the audience is coming in and uh, getting their little takeaway bags um, just you know making sure that all the refreshments are out that that people coming in were getting the good time that they wanted mm -hmm. that that entertainment value because they paid for it. I think they paid like 50 pound or something like that for the night and they got the book and they got to meet the authors they got food they got champagne when they got in they got this wonderful atmosphere um, and, it, and it was that realization that actually no you can't just do this in the scout hall at the road yeah <laughs> this is people are paying for entertainment and I think that's come out I know we're going to talk about it later but um, I can't remember who, was, who said but even when you're writing a book or an article people are reading it to be entertained mm. and have you entertained them 
you know yeah. so that, that whole philosophy of you know this is what people are, and the same as your podcast people are coming on the podcast because they want to be entertained or they want to be um informed about mm-hmm. something that's what they want to do yeah, yeah. have you done that and yeah. I, I thought that was uh, we, I did used to kind of touch on that when I was teaching because I, I was an instructor for about 12 years uh, within the military and and it was very much one of them things where even though the guys were being instructed on something they had to know about so sometimes you know if somebody's been told you've got to go in that lesson mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh god really yeah. you know you know, <laughs> you know they're not there by choice yes they're there because somebody's told them to go in and they've got to learn this subject so you've got to think right okay how am I going to make this so that the guys sit up and go oh actually this is quite interesting and and have them go away from that lesson thinking wow I've I've actually learned something today I've heard people come out with people's lessons fortunately not mine where they've come out and gone oh my god I'm not going to get that hour back <laughs> yeah I don't want somebody to have that I want them to come out and go well do you know what if nothing else I now know yes that does that yeah that's the reason why we do that yeah it's that sort of thing so at what point in your very varied career (laughs) did you you decide to train in coaching and and counseling which I know is something that that you do now um I think that was more um because obviously we were heavily involved in uh Afghan and Iraq at the time Mm -hmm. um and I've always had all binds in together all this interest in how people tick and and what what gets people progressing I think it was more about me wanting people to realize they could do things I think that goes right back to the beginning of me saying that as a kid you were told yeah you're just a girl mate just go and Mm -mm. just go and sit there and then you'll get married and have kids and (laughs) and and so at home sort of thing and things like that and so I think I I really wanted to make sure that people knew that they could go somewhere Mm. and that they could do things with their life and and sort of trying to get them to sort of realize that and be sort of thinking that oh there's nothing out there for anybody or I'm just from there so there's nothing for me um so I was always interested in it from that point of view and I started um really getting involved with a lot of the guys when they were coming back and maybe for some reason they weren't staying in the military Mm -hmm. um and and quite a few of them it was very much like I'll just go and do a security job not there's anything wrong with that but they they didn't know they'd got other other attributes that could get them to other places and you sort of sit with them and talk about what they'd done and 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 how they could actually go and and progress into something else that they wanted to do yeah it's it's very similar to me in that really in the fact of just saying no you can do this you can you can go and do anything you want really um as long as you arrange everything that you, you you put the effort in if you put the effort into it, if you just go and jump and you've not put the effort in the chances are you might you might sort of sink a little bit because mm-hmm. you've not put everything in place but sort of saying to people if you're prepared to actually put everything in place and to to sort of look into it and go right okay yeah I'm right now ready to jump and now ready to do this that, and the other then then they can progress and that was really the reason um I went into it um and off the back of that you, you would because that one of the reasons for obviously uh, being qualified in all the coaching and that is that quite often off the back of that you'll then come up with 
um, hidden reasons why they're scared of doing things. Mm -hmm. So you need to be prepared and and know how to deal with somebody's hidden reason that suddenly comes up as to why they don't want to do something. Yeah. Um, So, you know, when you do start helping people, you're also, there's, there's other things might suddenly raise the head. So uh, it's that side of it as well. So who are your coaching clients? What kind of backgrounds do they come from? Are they from most military? Are they mostly women? Or is it all sorts of people that you work with? Well, to be honest, because I don't do that as a business, I just do it really. It's through the military that I've done that. Um, And and just a few um, people that I know that have just come to me and had a chat. Um, What I did do, I had a few um, people that came to me. I I do... um, a presentation called me plc mm. which is all about basically what i've just said it's about realizing that you are your own plc mm. it doesn't matter who you work for you could work for the bank or you could work for yourself but you are still your own company so if you work for the bank it you're just supplying the bank with a, a service so that they pay you into your company you you're your own boss so when you start saying to people about the fact that because this is their company you've got your choice about going on courses you've got your choice about who you work for you've got your choice about whether you move or whether you want something to be part-time or whether you want something to be working weekends or working nights or whatever it is it still comes down to your choice. And I know we're talking about people who've got financial situations, but if you take control of your PLC, how you come across, how you network, how you um, have people perceive uh, you and where you want to go, then all of a sudden you can start having control about, you know, your worth. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, once I, start, I started doing presentations to universities and to civil service, actually, um, and to some military um, charities. And from that, there were a few people that phoned me and asked me if I'd do one-to-one coaching with them. Um, but it was all very much, I, I, I didn't get paid for it or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just do it because that just came off the back of me doing the presentations. Yeah. So let's have a little chat about networking now, because you, you just, just mentioned that then. I think networking is something that that you use yourself, but you also help other people to do effectively too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and networking is my favourite subject, <laughs> and it keeps sort of say to you that I'm just literally I could I could talk to anybody. Well, and I generally do, unfortunately. But um, but it's you know networking brings so much to you, um, and and it opens up also. I mean, yesterday I went to I went. I took my dad down to see my daughter's new um, house down south. Um, and my, my dad goes to church every week, so he, he really looked forward to going to the church that's local to her. And we went in there, and, and it was a lovely service. And afterwards, you know, have a coffee. Um, and I was talking to a lady, and, and just opening that conversation. By the time I'd finished, I'd been invited to go to the, like a women's institute, to go <laughs> do a, a, a talk on my book. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's sort of... Uh, and then we, I spoke to somebody, in fact, my daughter spoke to somebody else there and then they introduced her because she plays for, uh, she's just been taken on to play for Wiccan Wanderers. Um, mm. um, and one of the guys there is um, on the senior team for the men's Wiccan Wanderers. You know, so it's that introduction, it's all that, you know, you go and if you're prepared to just say hello and then open up that conversation, all of a sudden you've got these connections yeah, I mean, that's what the World Wide Web is for anybody mm. who's more modern than me. That's what that is. But in 
days gone by and still now this this is this is the this is your own little web that you you open up a conversation about whether it's you know the favorite of the weather or whether it's sport or what they've watched on telly or the local area and all of a sudden it starts opening up all sorts of avenues for you mm. um i mean my same two two of my children work in television and the whole thing from that was that i do another little thing that i do i work on um the security for stages um at big festivals so like Glastonbury yeah. and, and at Reading I'm actually at Reading this weekend and when you do all these festivals it's all the same people same camera people same bands that are on the circuit the same mm. stage hands and things like that and you kind of get you, you don't get to know them but you see them all the time and you nod yeah. and then eventually you go hello and then you start you get to know the name and things like that and then eventually sort of like when my girls started helping me out on on this and they just asked the camera guys oh how'd you get in and they went okay well this you know they got them to do one of the earlier bands they showed them how to do it and then the next minute like my daughter then got invited to go and do Strictly uh, and do as a one of the juniors on Strictly and that's five years ago and now they're both full-time but that's that just that hello nodding you know just oh how do you do that then yeah so the opportunities uh, are absolutely massive and 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 as I say I'm quite I'm quite confident anyway but if you know I'll go up and say hello to anybody and and constantly find something that is in common for you to suddenly I mean I'm quite lucky I've lived in a lot of places I, I travel around the UK I'm really interested in loads and loads of things yeah. so if somebody says something I can generally pick up and, and have a conversation about it yeah um and it, and it just leads you to all sorts of things and it and it has done with me it will get me introduced or invited into events and I do it through work I mean through work a lot of the events that we get I have to find myself mm-hmm. you know by just sort of either I'll look on um Google to see what events are coming up or you know with regards to the universities I'll get to know the guys that are in the um the recruitment side of it and the careers side of it and and then you'll go and chat with them and then you'll do presentations and by the time you finish you've got this massive network of people yeah that are not just helping each other with that job but they're helping each other with with other things as well yeah um, I, I, I think what you've just said it goes goes to prove that it's worth making that first move isn't it and, and starting a conversation with somebody even if it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable you know you're in a room where you know nobody but just strike up a conversation you just never know where it's going to lead oh no and 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 us British have got the great thing about the weather <laughs> yeah. you can always start a conversation with the weather in the UK always no matter what's going on the, the weather's always there for us um but yeah there's so many different things that you can just you know even if you've um you, you're just waiting for a bus and then two come along at once and you just go two come along at once and then suddenly you've opened that conversation yeah. up you yeah. know it's just anything and everything but it's it, I know you've got to have a little bit of confidence and it's quite scary and and I tend to when especially when I'm talking to the universities now you tend to find quite a few of the uh, younger uh, kids they're a little bit scared to do that mm. face-to-face really because yeah. they're so used to being on their different computers yeah or phones and things like that they'd rather text you from across yes. the street, you know so um 
So I think they're finding it even scarier, and especially after COVID, where they've been stuck inside, yeah. it's even more so. So it's so important for them to just be able to have that say hello, have that chat, and yeah. and and open up those those conversations. Because, like I said before, with regards to the events, so much more difficult to to just explain to somebody what things are or have that yeah. opening when you're over zoom and things like that whereas you 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 just being you stood there having a coffee you, you, you can you can talk till the well I can talk till the cows come on, that's <laughs> so. <laughs> now we've touched on this briefly but I'd like to uh, before you go have a little chat about your book tell us about the book that you've written yeah I've written well I've written a children's picture book it, um I've always said I've always loved writing and from being a kid I used to sort of write my own little sort of um, poems and birthday cards and things like that and um and I always entered competitions not to win them but just because it was an excuse to write something mm-hmm. um and then and I wanted to I wanted to write a book even though I'm not a big reader I wanted to write a book but I really couldn't think of what I wanted to write about and when uh, I was in Blackpool one day with the family, we go to Blackpool a lot, and uh, I was in Blackpool with the family, and my brother came back from the prom, and they were laughing, him and the girl, his girls, and, and he was like, oh, he said, we just got attacked by seagulls, and I said, oh, so what are they doing? He said, well, one took my donut, so the other one took Molly's ice cream, he said, but they didn't take um, Lucy's um, sorbet, and I just went, oh, maybe they don't eat sorbet, and I just went, oh, that is my book. And I was like, oh my god, that's my book, and literally, I became besotted with the seagulls from that point on. And I wrote, and again, this is where networking comes in. It all kind of comes in together. I I wrote um, a story, and the story ended up being about fifty five thousand words. It was rather long, and I knew it was rather long. Um, and because I went away a lot and, um, on all my events, because this started pre-COVID, this was four years ago, um, I used to just sit at night, because I'd be in hotels all over the place, so I'd sit at night and just keep going with this story, and I'd, got, you know, I'd be sat by a beach, or I'd be sat by the London Eye, or I'd be sat wherever <laughs> it was, just writing. Um, and it, as I say, ended up being about 55,000 words. And I showed it to my dad. My dad's a big reader. And I showed it to my dad and he had a look at it. And there's nothing like a 92-year-old turning <laughs> around and just saying, I'm seagulled out. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't read anymore after about 20 pages. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I knew I had to do something with it because it was too long. And I didn't even know who it was for, really. I'd just, mm. like I did with all my competitions, I'd just written for writing's sake. And I sent um, the book to a friend of mine who is in television. He's an ex-EastEnders actor, actually, but he now does writing. And he had a look. And then one day I was at work and I just got a text message that basically said, I suggest you put Radio 4 on right now. There was no hello, no nothing yeah. else. Oh, OK, then. So I found Radio 4 because I'd never been on it before. And it was a story that was being told. And I listened to it. And I sort of realised it was kind of a similar genre to me. And I thought, well, he obviously thinks, for him to have texted me and told me to do that, he obviously thinks that this is similar. Mm. So I then cheekily sent um, a mail to, I found out who the guy was who'd written it, and then found 
his on Google, I found his sort of contacts uh, through his agent and I sent a cheeky mail and, and sent him a copy of the book. And, and he was nice enough after a, a couple of weeks of obviously reading my 55,000 word book, <laughs> he was nice enough to come back and he said, you've got loads of stories here. You need to split it. Mm. Um, which was amazing because, in, and then he said, right, I suggest you go and get The Snail and the Whale by Julia yeah. uh, Donaldson. So I, I sort of hot footed it to WH Smith's and given that my youngest is 25, I've not had any of them yeah. in a long time. So I went and got hers and I got a couple of hers and a couple of David Williams and looked at them and I thought, wow, yeah, mine does split the same way these mm -hmm. do. So I then spent the next sort of year splitting the books up. Um, my mum was poorly at the time, unfortunately she passed away um, last year. And while I was with her and just sat with her, I just split the books up. Mm. Um, and then once I'd split them up, of what started off as this really long story suddenly became a picture book. So now I had to find an illustrator to to add to these this new story that yeah. I suddenly got. Um, and I had a friend who was an illustrator um, who I've known for about 20 years and I really wanted him to do it. And I passed him the stories and he worked on it for a couple of months and he came back and he was like, I really can't do this. He said, I can't get these seagulls right. Mm. And at that point, I wasn't writing a book that was actually going to be in the shops. I was mm. just writing a book because, as always, I just wanted to just write. I wasn't thinking it was ever going to go anywhere. Um, so, and I was sort of, oh, it doesn't matter. And he was like, no, <clears throat> this needs to be right and I can't do it. So he introduced me to a girl who was actually a tattoo artist mm. uh, called Esther. And I sent her uh, the first story that I'd done. And she just came back with these characters that were so amazing. I mean, better than I could have ever have yeah. thought of, to be honest. They were absolutely incredible. Um, and, and that was it. So from then on, she was doing all the illustrations. Um, but the last year has been, and it's been a learning curve for both of us because she's never done a book mm -hmm. before. Um, so that last this last year has literally been putting these illustrations to the writing or realizing sort of the pages that I had that had maybe too much description on a page for her to be able to put the mm -hmm. illustrations so having to split maybe your, your story a little bit on the pages and then little mistakes that you make as somebody who's doing things at the beginning yeah. um, like when once she'd done some pictures and she did them all color and they were all great and then all of a sudden it was like oh we're gonna have to split that page now and then <laughs> you know so the second book I mean the first book is just pub being pub well, it's published uh, this this week the second book which the illustrations have just been finished on the learning was right I'm going to do these in black and white first yeah, I'm yeah. Not gonna yeah. <laughs> because she spent so much time getting everything right and then all of a sudden we were changing it because of yeah. different things so lots of learning things like um, children's books are generally square you don't mm. really notice that but they mm. are but when we did everything initially we did everything on that sort of a4 that comes up on yeah yeah but then she had to start changing things to fit a square picture rather than an a4 picture um so the last year was very much both of us on this journey together just 
learning as we sort of went along really mm -hmm. in this getting this book together but um I say the first one um is actually it's, it's actually in sort of WH Smiths and Waterstones and Amazon uh, and all the sort of main bookstores now it's actual publishing dates 28th of August but I know sort of it's actually started being sent out yeah. now um which is so exciting because it wasn't that wasn't actually what my end goal was it's yeah. that it it it's just gone that way um and and again now it's all about the networking side again uh, and, and it it comes back to that so red magazine are featuring me in the October issue brilliant as you know what happened next to the intern yeah yeah it's everything's you know same as with yourself it's that going to networking events and meeting somebody yeah. yesterday at church suddenly this lady um has asked me to go and do this um presentation um and it's in an area where actually it's quite a good area it's like Henry on Thames and things like mm -hmm. that so it's quite a, a, an area where there's a lot of literacy things go on yeah. yeah so it's sort of it might not be something that helps you now but me thinking now wow that eight years ago it read and all of a sudden yeah I'm kind of going to be advertised in the red magazine next month yeah that. um so yeah it's been it's been quite a journey um and although when I'm talking to people, you know, I sort of say to them, oh, see what your end result you want to do. And then you can go for it. Well, actually, I didn't have an end result. <laughs> and actually, it's just been that it's just by people, you know, you know, same with Esther, knowing somebody who knew her. And yeah. she's getting this, you know, she's never even been to Blackpool, but she feels as though she has. But she's like, <laughs> you know, she just got, she was so good at her, her job. And one of the things that she's done is, is and, and the proof is in the pudding in the fact that I would tell her something and she would really look and and we're all quite fortunate we google these days but she would google how does that look in Blackpool how does it come across how should I bring yeah that across you know if you're going to do a job well then do it properly and then yeah. you know, the benefits from it are absolutely great yeah well huge huge congratulations on the publication of your first book and um, I'm sure there's going to be more to come just finally then if people want to find out more about you or about the book what's the best way to get in touch with you Babs um well the the actual book's called seagulls don't eat sorbet um and the one and, and the one thing that I have done actually that I've got to work out with in the future is that I've called it seagulls don't eat sorbet but that's the whole series this one's the first adventure mm. um, and the second one's got to dance I'm not too sure how that works in bookstores because they've both got the same title really apart from this little edition so I've got to sort of look and see how that goes but um um but yeah so if they if they put that into google then you can see um a lot of information about that um from myself I'm on LinkedIn at the moment I've not actually gone down the social media route yet with the book I've still got to work that out but um I'm on LinkedIn um Babs Vinden Dash Cantrell um, but I think when you when you actually do put the seagulls don't eat sorbet and it comes up with my LinkedIn anyway right and they'd be able to sort of contact me through that lovely well thank you very much for being my guest and best of luck with uh, with the book sales uh, starting soon oh thank you very much <laughs> thanks for listening to small business big network if you found this podcast useful please do rate review and subscribe and don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.